This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about white chocolate. Yes, white chocolate. Where did this idea come from, Lauren? Oh, man, I was I was trying desperately to think of something that would be good and Halloweeny for this our week leading up to Halloween, and um, and I was going maybe some kind of awful like a like like tongues or brains, mm-hmm. but then I was like, I don't know, like that's not. It's not creepy to eat those things. Mm-hmm. We just kind of consider it like a little bit gross in modern American culture sometimes. But but that's not like I don't want to paint it in that light because it's food and people eat it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I was like, OK, maybe like a different kind of candy. But we just kind of did a brand. And then I was like, I don't know, like something like caramel apples. And then I was like, oh, I'm not going to make anything about caramel all day. <laughs> or apples, my fear. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even I'm a little afraid of losing a tooth on a caramel apple, so. Uh-huh. I do have a funny story about a caramel apple. It involves me jumping out a window because I thought I was Mary Poppins. But that's a, <laughs> that's a how, story for a different how, day. <laughs> how old were you at this point, Annie? I was eight years old, and okay. I tell you what, Lauren, an eight-year-old has never jumped with an umbrella with as much confidence as I did <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> I wonder how many, like, Mary Poppins-related injuries there have been. Oh, there's got to be more than just me. 
I went plummeting right past my parents' window. They had friends over. <laughs> uh. Anyway, there was a caramel apple involved. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyway, mm-hmm. so I settled on white chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was it. I'm excited about this. Um, even though I'm not the biggest white chocolate fan, it's definitely like, you know, if I have a lineup of chocolates, it's probably at the bottom of my list, but I'll eat it. Like it's, and it's good in plenty of things. Oh, yeah. Um, I think I told the story before of my brothers and I, our chocolate preferences, but like my older brother is a milk chocolate. I dark, I'm dark chocolate. My younger brother is white chocolate. So it costs a lot of contention. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and who, where the candy, what kind of candy we're going to get. However, though, you could be confident. Like for me, they don't like dark chocolate. So that was nice. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. I didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. If you and if you got like a I mean, it was probably slightly later in your childhood when like the really good mixed bags started coming Mm, out. Yeah. But but at that point, that was that 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 was probably great for all three of you because you're like, oh, man. Right. I've got my category. No one else is going to touch it. Exactly. I guess my older brother had the biggest fear because we both really liked milk chocolate. I mean, we all really liked. Oh, okay. (laughs) But I would always go for the dark chocolate. Um. Uh, white chocolate does make me think of when I was a kid, we used to go on, I can't remember what it is. I think it was Black Mountain. Anyway, this hike in Georgia, way up. Um, and on the way, there's like this one small stand uh, where okay. we would stop and get snacks. And for some reason, they really only stocked, when it came to candy, white chocolate, cookies and cream, Hershey's. <laughs> okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I I don't know why. I wasn't a big candy person, like I said, but for some reason, it felt so like, I've got to get this. I can't get this anywhere else. Yeah. Um, but then I would inevitably kind of feel a little ill from the sugar, the hiking, the altitude, and then the curvy roads. Because if you've never <laughs> driven on these like North Georgia roads to get to hikes like that... Woo! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was back when I used to get really, really car sick. So Oh, oh no. I have oh, a dear. bit of a like, I, I'm not generally a person who says, you know, I, oh, one time I threw up after eating this, I could never eat it again. But my stomach does get a little like, hmm. <laughs> with hmm my maybe. What about that? Huh. Yeah. And then I yeah. eat it and it's fine. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of the before suspicious eye glance. I'll give it like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Uh no, I I can I can see that. I can understand that. Um I I love a white chocolate. Um, you know, cocoa butter is delicious. I I mm-hmm. like I like eating fat. <laughs> it's fun to mm-hmm. do. Uh <laughs> and when you put some sugar into it, I'm like, "Oh heck, this is even better." Yeah, so um I don't know. Yeah, I I also have very distinct memories of that Hershey's cookies and cream white chocolate yeah. bar. Because uh, the little crunch that it had was so good, and even though mm-hmm. it kind of tasted like, I don't know, like 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 chalky. Yeah, it's that it's that poor quality chocolate. <laughs> it's that poor quality chocolate <laughs> that is probably made by terrible slave labor that just tastes like weird chalk. That mm-hmm. you're like, I don't know what this is. Chocolate might not be it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but, but still so good because it's I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And we're going to get into that because that is one of the big headlines that comes up when you research 
white chocolate. <laughs> uh, sure. Perhaps for a food podcast. Is it really chocolate? Um, but uh, before we do that, you can also uh, see our past episodes on sugar and chocolate and a bunch of candies. We've done a bunch of brands and candies at this point. Uh-huh. Sure, sure. And many of them um, have white chocolate options within their lineup. Uh huh. Indeed. Especially for things like Halloween or the holidays in general, they'll mix it up with that. Yeah, yeah. Especially because you can color it various things and then make, right, right, right you know, green or orange for... Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good for baking projects. Uh-huh. Um, but I guess that brings us to our question. Mm-hmm. White chocolate. What is it? Well, uh, white chocolate is a type of candy made from just the fats of cacao seeds, uh, not the solids. Uh, Generally, those fats are then blended with dairy, sugar, and maybe some kind of stabilizers and flavorings, uh, creating a candy that is solid at room temperature, ivory in color, um, and a lot more mildly flavored than either milk or dark chocolates, uh, which are made with those solids. Um, and those solids are what contain the um, the bitter and or dry or, or tannic compounds in cacao. White chocolate is generally creamier in texture. Um, th- those solids are also a little bit gritty, so you get less of that grit. It's like a milder, creamier chocolate bar or chip or whatever. It, it's like it's like you took the bitterness out of even the milkiest milk chocolate. Um, in a lot of ways, it reminds me. Of a of a cheese like a like a gouda before you smoke or age it, or maybe like Ooh. a sweet cream ice cream without any additional flavorings. Um, it's it's like it's like chocolate at a whisper. Oh no! <laughs> I immediately <laughs> got that song stuck in my head. I won't do it to anybody else, but you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, I uh, yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, but I'm sorry. <laughs> You would know if I if I ummed it. I won't do it to you. Okay. Well, um, I hope that this comes up in the uh, list of titles that you send me later. <laughs> it will. I love that description. <laughs> it's excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, um. Okay. So 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 white chocolate. Um. Very, very briefly about chocolate making, because again, we've done like one and a half episodes about how chocolate is made. Um, But but yeah, so if you take a a, a cocoa pod, which is the fruit of the cacao tree, and you go to make it into candy, um, what you're doing is you're taking the fruit, removing the pulp from the seeds and fermenting the seeds, roasting the seeds, shelling them, and then crushing the shelled seeds called the nibs into uh, into a kind of pasty liquid called chocolate liqueur. And from there, you can add a number of things to make your candy and or you can subtract stuff. Um, and for white chocolate, you're talking about a subtraction. Uh, so so chocolate liqueur is made up of the whole roasted seed of the cacao plant, right? The, the, the solids, which are all sorts of compounds um, or derivatives of compounds that would have made up the plant or, or helped the seedling to grow. Um, and then also the fats, which would be an energy source um, and protectant for the growing seedling. Uh, the fats are also called cocoa butter. And yes, you can separate them out from the solids. So when you get that cocoa butter, you might do a few things to it before you use it in a candy. Um, you might add it back into the cocoa solids to affect the texture of the chocolate you're making, um, or you might right, use it for white chocolate, or you might send it off for use in cosmetics, where it's a pretty big thing right now. And in large-scale productions of cocoa butter, it's usually filtered and also decolorized 
using some some minerals that latch onto some of the pigment molecules for removal, you know, and then also deodorized using either a distillation process or some solvents that are going to remove some of the volatile compounds, the, the, the flavor compounds that are in the cocoa butter, leaving a, a relatively neutral product. And so, yeah, for, for, for white chocolate, you then blend that cocoa butter with sugar, milk solids or milk powder, maybe lecithin or another emulsifier, and maybe vanilla or other flavorings. And voila, white chocolate. People are doing so. Okay, so so yes, white chocolate is a product of cacao. Mm-hmm. What, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I I don't really want to get into a semantic argument about whether it's chocolate or not. Like because uh-huh. the word chocolate, like kind of like connotes a very specific thing, right? And and that thing involves cocoa solids, but right. But white chocolate still contains parts of the cacao plant and you can taste some of those cacao-y tastes in white chocolate if it's a high quality enough white chocolate. Cacao-y taste. <laughs> mm. I would love if that was the description on the back. <laughs> high cacao-y taste. Oh gosh. <laughs> I feel like this, oh. is, this is why this is why I got fired from my marketing job. Um <laughs> Uh, no, but, but but people really are doing a lot of interesting things with white chocolate these days, um, especially at that kind of high-end price range. Um, you know, like playing with cacao origins to find interesting flavors in the cocoa butter, kind of like florals or herbs, um, or using non-deodorized cocoa butters to keep more of those uh, natural volatile compounds in there. Or using the mild creaminess of white chocolate to feature flavors that are unusual in desserts, like um, like bay leaf or olives or hops or 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 mustard. Ooh, I know, right? Um, or uh, uh, caramelizing the white chocolate to make blonde chocolate bars. Um, th- this toasts the milk solids that you add to the cacao. Um, it's sort of like when you brown butter and you and you mm. toast those milk solids, and they get all. Oh, nice and nice and rich and caramely. Yeah, uh, the the high cocoa butter content and smooth texture of white chocolate means that it's it's great for applications like um like like making candy coating uh, or say if you're gonna like coat a strawberry or something like that. It gives like a really nice uh, snap uh, on a on a candy shell or really tender shavings for a garnish that are just super melty on the tongue. Or um, uh, it's also a great stabilizer for things like buttercreams or ganache or ice cream. Huh. Yeah, I forgot about white chocolate shavings. Those are pretty good. Right? Um, huh. Yeah, yeah. I tried to get to the bottom. I didn't try too hard, but I did try to get to the <laughs> bottom of uh, white chocolate macadamia nut cookies. Oh, um, uh-huh. Because that's kind of a... That's a very common flavor pairing, and I'm yeah. and I'm not sure why either. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I I'm assuming this is at subways across the country, but when I grew up, that was like you could get three types of cookies, four types, and one of them was a white chocolate macadamia nut cookie subway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm just curious as how that <laughs> came to be. Ah, <laughs> uh, project project for another day. Um, Indeed. <laughs> 
White chocolate is also a flavor now, um, usually like a like a creamy, sweet cream, vanilla sort of flavor. And this can go into all sorts of products that don't have anything to do with actual cacao, um, you know, like instant mix puddings or cakes or like like protein bars or other protein products or or candies like lollipops or something like that. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Which I think is part of the argument about how like white chocolate isn't real chocolate because it gets white chocolate flavor gets applied to these products that are not chocolate, that are 100% definitely not in any way chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Although there is a pretty long history of doing this, so I can't wait to get into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but okay, if all of this has, uh, has, has caught your interest, if you're like, all right, maybe I want to explore some white chocolate options. Uh, so if you're looking for a good quality white chocolate, Check for, on the label, um, cacao or cocoa content being listed. In this case, it will refer to uh, the cocoa butter content. And what you're looking for is over 30%. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you can see the, the, the color of the chocolate, it should not be stark white uh, because cocoa butter is itself a little bit yellow, uh, like yellow to ivory, and that should carry through to the final product if enough of it is in there. Also, probably avoid chips. Um, uh, white chocolate chips are generally formulated to hold up during baking, which I mean is great if that's what you're going for. Um, but the, but the sugars and oils and stabilizers that are added aren't, aren't there for taste. Hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, what about the nutrition? Uh, white chocolate is fairly comparable to milk chocolate, um, nu nutrition wise, because both contain cocoa butter and milk solids or powder, as opposed to dark chocolate, which does not contain dairy. Though, of course, the actual makeup of the actual chocolate that you're looking at will depend on the manufacturer's choices. Um, also, some of the, like, flavonoids that are contained in uh, cacao solids are not going to be in white chocolate. So if you're really eating chocolate only for the, health, for the heart healthy benefits or potential heart healthy benefits, White chocolate is not going to be your first choice. <laughs> also, I'm judging you. <laughs> but... <laughs> Lauren. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I try not to, but... <laughs> uh... <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's, it's a treat. It's, you know, uh, it's calorie dense, lots of fats and sugars. It'll help fill you up, but will not keep you going. Treats are nice. Have some treats. Yeah. Yeah. Tricks and or. Uh Tricks and or, indeed. I'm already thinking of, like, Halloween recipes I could make using white chocolate. Ooh, yeah. Mm, yes, yeah. yes. Well, we do have some numbers for you. Uh-huh. Um, as of 2013, the global market for white chocolate was worth $1.5 billion a year, um, with a little less than a quarter of that going to Brazil. Um, huh. Where white chocolate uh, that year accounted for 15.5% of their chocolate purchases, um, which was the largest percentage in the world. Ooh. Curious as to why. <laughs> I don't know. They like some white chocolate. Uh, other white chocolate fans include folks in the Netherlands, South Africa, and Mexico, all of which ate uh, or, or purchased over 10% white chocolate of their chocolate consumption, um, though the UK and the US bought more overall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At that point, the global white chocolate market had grown 21% in the past five years since, uh, since 2008. 
Growth since then seems to have slowed a little bit. Um, The white chocolate market was only growing about 2% per year as of 2019. Um, And perhaps related to all of this is that the price of cocoa butter more than doubled between 2005 and 2015, making it potentially, yes, a more expensive product to to work with and to purchase. Mm. (laughs) Meanwhile, um, only 11% of Americans call white chocolate their favorite kind of chocolate. 49% prefer milk chocolate and uh, 34% prefer dark. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I wonder if this is, what could I divine about someone's characters based on this? Probably nothing. Probably absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) enjoy what you like. Yeah, yeah. That's that's up to you. That I will not Again, judge you on ever. We have very little control no. in this <laughs> arena. So <laughs> shockingly, shockingly little. <laughs> um, shockingly little. We do have some history for you. Uh we do, but before we get into that, we are going to get into a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. 
So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So again, uh, see our past episode on chocolate. Mm -hmm. Uh, You did a wonderful brief rundown of chocolate making, Lauren. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. I'm not going to do so much of that in the history <laughs> section. I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> well, well the, well, the history of this one specifically is is so fun and tangly. It is. And in fact, I think this is a first. It's sort of a backwards outline. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. Perfect. All right. So let's get into it. As with many things we discuss, people like to argue about the exact origins of white chocolate. Oh, yeah, they do. Oh, yeah. Um, the consensus on the internet largely seems to be that Nestle invented white chocolate in the 1930s. Some others say the UK's 1936 Gallic bar or Milky bar was the first known documented instance of white chocolate. And I think this might specifically be commercialized white chocolate. Okay. okay. Although people don't necessarily specify that, but I, I think that's the general idea mm-hmm. when they they say that um others say the first instance of white chocolate wasn't until 1948 and the almond topped alpine white bar uh side note on that i remember that chocolate bar and i loved it and i'm mad that it doesn't exist anymore oh my goodness lauren <laughs> remember my idea for a mini series called twisted that was all about boss candies yeah <laughs> And nostalgia. I love how people have those candies that they loved as a child and you can't get it anymore and it's just devastating. Yeah. I mean, I could certainly, and I would rather support like a, like a local chocolatier, like, Mm -hmm. like a smaller company, but anyway, please continue. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yes, I will. Um, (laughs) Allegedly, um, all of this was an effort to use up extra milk powder produced for World War I. And or that it was a way to add vitamin-enriched milk to the diets of hospitalized children. Huh. Okay. Yeah. There are some earlier references of white chocolate, though. Or at least potential references. One of the first appeared in a 1916 issue of International Confectioner in a piece by T.B. McRobert. Here's a quote. I've heard a weird story of white chocolate alleged to be made in Switzerland. Doubtless Snow White is a compliment to the snow-capped Alps of that country. I never saw such Snow White chocolate, but I would rather see it than eat it. (laughs) (laughs) Only possible way to produce such a thing could be to bleach the cocoa elements entirely with some sort of bleaching element, as, for instance, chlorine gas. I would rather see it than eat it. That is such a burn. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) The article goes on, Certainly we hear some queer and weird stories from Europe these war times. Perhaps the Snow White chocolate is one of these wartime yarns. Certainly, Snow White chocolate is never likely to be any howling success in this country, if in fact such a thing could ever be made here and comply with our food laws, which is more than doubtful. (laughs) Dang. Wow, right? (laughs) He he was like, I don't know what that is, and I resent it. Like, I don't approve. (laughs) I don't think it I don't think it exists, but I don't like it anyway. 
strong stance indeed. Yeah, heck, that's the that's the Mama Bluth of uh, of white chocolate <laughs> reviews. Love it. Okay, uh, yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. But likely to be not likely to be any howling success in this country. I that's I just love it. <laughs> <laughs> then there's this 1923 entry in Artemis Ward's Encyclopedia of Food. Swiss white chocolate, apart from milk chocolate types, is cocoa butter sweetened either with sugar or with sweet chestnut meal. Hmm. Okay. So that's that sounds like white chocolate. It does, right? Sure. Yeah. And then in 1931, there's this quote from the Food Industries Manual. White chocolate is manufactured from sugar, milk powder, or condensed milk, and cocoa butter, and the flavor of chocolate is dependent upon the cocoa butter content. Accordingly, a very strong cocoa butter is used in the manufacture. Okay, that's definitely white chocolate. Right? Yeah. I I agree. (laughs) Okay, so, so maybe there is something to this whole, like, commercialized product versus, like, what actually existed. Yeah, I think so, and I also think... Uh, as we've been reading these quotes, there's some sort of like Europe, who knows what they're doing in Europe <laughs> <laughs> kind of discussion going on. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And stepping back even more before all of this. Oh. I know. An 1872 American cookbook called, here we go, The Dessert Book, a complete manual from the best American and foreign authorities with original economical recipes. Love it. Um, by a Boston lady, also love it, um, <laughs> contained two recipes for white chocolate. And these recipes called for things like oatmeal and tapioca. And the final product was viewed less as a treat and more as something to give to the ill, which was kind of a through line I wasn't expecting in the white chocolate research. Right. Sure, right. but it, but it but it but it makes sense along the lines of uh of right right like a like like butterbeer kind of stuff where yeah. it was you know like like a considered palatable but also like highly caloric like for people who needed that kind of thing in their diets. Right. Yeah, that does make sense. A similar recipe appeared in the recipe book of a druggist in 1871, and I would like to read the full name of this publication. As oh well. goodness. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> The Druggist General Receipt Book, containing a copious veterinary formulary, numerous recipes in patent and proprietary medicines, druggist nostrums, etc., perfumery and cosmetics, beverages, dietetic articles and condiments, trade chemicals, scientific processes, and an appendix of useful tables. Not unuseful tables. Only useful ones. I'm working on a book of unuseful tables. Um, but they they got this covered with the useful ones. Uh, certainly, you could tell by my garage that my entire life is just is just an appendix of unuseful tables. <laughs> I love that. That should be the name of your memoir. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> okay, okay, but but so but so we have we have these recipes going back to the 1870s. Yes, and then going back even further, um, there's the 1869 cookbook, The Royal Cookery Book, and it contained a recipe for white chocolate caramel tablets. These are most likely um, more closely related to chewy caramels or something like toffee, and I couldn't really pin down why they were called white chocolate exactly, because it seems the consensus seemed to be they were more like a chewy caramel type situation. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't really even pin down if chocolate was involved at all or if huh. cacao was involved at all. Nonetheless. <laughs> okay. Um, well, all right. I, I, can, I can say for a firm fact that all of this dates back in one way or another. Um, Because the very concept of chocolate as we know it, like a solid bar of chocolate as we know it, goes back to the invention of methods to separate cocoa butter out from cocoa solids. And that happened in 1828, uh, which was when a Dutch chemist came up with the first cacao press. And this press was designed to um, to squeeze roasted cacao beans to remove like half to two-thirds of the fats they contained, leaving a, a, a sort of cake of cocoa solids that could then be ground into what's now known as cocoa powder, um, which is great for making drinking chocolate, which is what the dude was mostly aiming for at the time. Um, he also developed a process to treat the cacao before um, before all of this with an alkali to neutralize the acid in it to make it less bitter and more um, more blendy. Uh, more emulsifiable in drinks. Um, this is called the Dutch process. Ah, uh, yes. But uh, the pressing process also turned out to be real good for, right, uh, making solid chocolates too. Oh, uh, and that is first recorded as happening in 1847 at the British chocolate company J.S. Fry and Sons. Later, there was the discovery of what's called the Broma process in 1865 by an employee at the Ghirardelli Chocolate Company, most basically, uh, the process called for putting roasted cocoa beans in a bag to let the cocoa butter drip out, um, allowing for the remaining beans to be turned into cocoa powder while the cocoa butter was processed into chocolate. But experts also think that this excess of cocoa butter may have allowed for more experimentation where it hadn't been possible before. Yeah, so so right. So we've got, again, it's really hard to say like who was the first person who did this thing. Um, because as with many things, I don't think that whoever was doing it first was necessarily writing it down and patenting yes. it um, yes. as something like Nestle Corporation would have been doing. Yep. And they sure did. Um, but first, in 1920, we got the Double Zero Bar out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And it consisted of caramel nougat and almonds covered in white fudge. The wrapper was just bedecked with cool imagery like snowflakes and icicles. <laughs> um, and then in 1934, it was rebranded as the Zero Bar. And this is, yes, thought to be one of the earliest instances of commercialized white chocolate. And then in 1948, Nestle introduced the Alpine White. <sighs> yes. Um, and then we got a series of, I, I found a series of kind of conflicting thoughts about white chocolate in the U.S. Um, not all bad, not all bad at all. Uh, a New York Magazine critic, Gail Green, wrote in 1979, White chocolate is the season's new whimsy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Several cookbooks in the following decade embraced uh, white chocolate as an ingredient. By the 1990s, it was being used in the New Orleans classic bread pudding. And then I found a couple of New Orleans-specific articles about using hmm. white chocolate. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hershey started producing white chocolate kisses in the 1990s. And then in 2002, the U.S. FDA finally allowed for white chocolate to officially be called chocolate. Uh, these rules went into effect in 2004, and this was after uh, Hershey 
and what was then the Chocolate Manufacturers Association had petitioned the crap out of the FDA about this. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> for for labeling purposes, you know, they were arguing like, well, if, if chocolate has to only have 10% or more cocoa mass, uh, which is the fats plus the solids, um, you know, w- white chocolate to be like good um, would would probably have more cocoa stuff than that, like like at least 20%. Yeah. So it should be called chocolate too. <laughs> Is what I understand the argument was. I haven't read, I haven't read the petitions myself. But yeah, uh, yeah, they were really keen on getting their products labeled as chocolate. Yeah, and going back to what we discussed earlier, I think this is a big part of why a lot of the articles that come up when you type in white chocolate are is white chocolate chocolate. Yeah, and that's probably one of the things they were a little frustrated with. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, because of the increase in the use of cocoa butter in the cosmetics industry. I think possibly these new candy-related rules had something to do with it, or possibly it was something about the market supply and demand. But at any rate, yes, um, the as I said earlier, the market value for cocoa butter doubled from 2005 to 2015, um, which kind of, at the end of the day, put put a little bit more stress, I think, on the market for white chocolate because it led to a lot of large-scale manufacturers routinely diluting their white chocolate with other vegetable oils, um, which makes for an inferior product, but a less expensive one. Um, And I think that that is part of why some of the discourse against white chocolate is negative today. Mm, Yeah. Makes sense. Um, And then in 2018, Starbucks released their toasted white chocolate mocha holiday drink. And I feel like, for me, white chocolate has largely become associated with winter holidays. Yeah. Which also, I know I've been saying this a lot this episode, makes sense because of the <laughs> coloring. Um, yep, that, yeah. uh, that, that alpine snow white coloring, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. well, yeah, this has been a fun one. We went on a backwards journey <laughs> uh, to try to figure this out, and now here we are. <laughs> Here we are today <laughs> with, 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 yep, with Starbucks again. <laughs> yeah, again. Um, but yeah, yeah, I enjoyed this one. I enjoyed it. it. It did make me appreciate white chocolate more. So I think that's good. Yeah, no, me, me, me too. I was, I was pretty firmly in the camp of like, heck yeah, white chocolate, if that's what you like before. But now I'm like, heck yeah, white chocolate. So yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Um, yes. Well, uh, we that, that that is all that we have to say about white chocolate for now. It is, but we do have some listener mail for you. And we will get into that after we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. 
Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listener mail. You ever been skiing? <laughs> no. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> I believe you. That's why I said no in that tone of voice. <laughs> I'm very clumsy, though. I I had a great time, but I did not do well. <laughs> I I believe that it's a fun thing for humans to do. Uh, I don't I don't necessarily get it. Um, <laughs> but I grew up in Florida, so I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was a real, it was a real blast. But like, I have many embarrassing, funny now stories from like immediately falling off the ski lift and stopping the whole thing. <laughs> anyway, oh. <laughs> I tried my best. You did. You did. Mm-hmm. Jennifer wrote. I started listening to your wonderful podcast beginning of the year. Aww. I listened to y'all during my commutes to the hospital for my work as an ICU nurse. Y'all make a bright spot in my day. I wanted to write in about a couple of episodes I've recently listened to. First, your throwback classic Cheddar episode reminded me of my youth. See, I grew up on a dairy farm and was involved in a funny little contest called Dairy Products Judging. One of the <laughs> products we had to judge was cheddar cheese. To properly judge the cheese, you would take your piece, smell it, put it in your mouth, taste it, chew it, and spit it out. Me, being the cheese lover I am, did not follow this. <laughs> Instead of spitting it out, I would eat it. I mean, why waste good cheese? Sometimes I would go back for seconds for the good ones, claiming I needed extra tasting for proper judging. <laughs> <laughs> it took the judges a while to catch on to what I was doing. 
No regrets. <laughs> Second, I just listened to your Gouda episode tonight as I drove home from work. You mentioned the Gouda cheese market and the cheese and craft fair and the cheese experience. I don't know what the cheese experience is, but this sounds like my kind of heaven. Annie, I would love to know all the cheese that you have on your cheese board. <laughs> oh, well, the cheese experience does sound... I just have got to go to there. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I'm not entirely sure uh, w- w- what it is either. Um, I feel like you have to experience it to really find out. Um, I, yes, I think that's what the title it's in the name. It's right it is. there. <laughs> it is. Yes. Uh, but also, oh my goodness, thank you so much for, for, I mean, I know it's your job, but for your service as an ICU nurse anytime, but especially during, during these are COVID times. Oh, yes, yes. Um, definitely. And good for you for eating more cheese um, yeah. <laughs> in your dairy products judging. I also wouldn't sit it out. That is not a thing that I would do unless it was real bad or something. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and the cheese on my cheese board is Gouda goat cheese, Gruyere, usually a smoked Gruyere. Oh, okay. Aged cheddar and brie. Um, and then normally my friends bring what I would call like a fancier cheeses, like espresso mm. cheese or oh, wine cheese okay. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so so we mix it up. We do like sometimes <laughs> I'll I'll switch things up, but those are my 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 five go tos. Those are the go tos. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> I oh man I don't yeah I don't have I don't have five go tos if I'm making a cheese plate I kind of have like categories um, uh-huh. yeah r- ranging from like 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 real young melty kind of brie yeah. styles to all the way up to like a like a parmesan type Ooh. of thing so and everything yeah. in between and then some some with the blue stuff in it and you know yeah I don't mm-hmm. know it's yeah. it's a it's an art more than a science <laughs> it is it's making a good <laughs> cheese board. It's a it's a wonderful feeling. Oh, right, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sophie, or perhaps Sophia, we weren't totally positive, uh, uh, but but yes, they wrote. I've been a longtime listener, but this is my second time writing in. I tend to let episodes of Savor build up so I can binge the show as I drive to work. Because of this, I just got to your Sangria episode. For our wedding in September of 2021, oh, congratulations. Um, my now husband and I had our signature drink for the weekend be our homemade sangria. His family is very Portuguese, and one of our wedding colors was sangria red. We had a sangria fountain and everything. I have a fall sangria that I make every year that even people who don't usually drink sangria always ask for. I typically use Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, apple pie, Miguelicuddies, Fiji apple sparkling water, orange juice, and apple cider. Then I throw in some sliced up red apples, I prefer honey crisp, some oranges, cinnamon sticks, and any other fruit you think would go well in it. When anyone asks how much of each ingredient I used, I always answer, I measure with my heart. <laughs> I have no set measurements. I just keep adding things until it tastes delicious. Oh. <laughs> oh, that does sound delicious. Oh, it does. Heck. It sounds so fall. Like, ooh. yes. Yes. Amazing. I want to try it. <laughs> I too <sighs> shall measure with my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thanks to both of those listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. We would love to hear from you. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. 
Savor is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.